You're Locked On The Hockey Jets, your daily podcast on the Winnipeg Jets. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends, and welcome to the Locked On Winnipeg Jets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Harrison Lee, an avid Winnipeg Jets fan and an online blogger. You can follow me on Twitter at HLivingLoco and at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets. As always, if you like what you're hearing, be sure to like, follow, and subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform of choice, including Apple, Spotify, Google, Megaphone, and the Odyssey app. Doing so does not cost you a single penny and ensures you never miss another episode. You'll also stay tuned to the latest and greatest in Winnipeg Jets news and analysis. Before we start tonight's episode, I thought you should hear about another podcast that I think would be very helpful for you, especially if you need more hockey news because Locked On NHL is here to fill the gap. It's our daily podcast on everything happening in the league. Subscribe and listen each day for a quick look at the biggest stories and game recaps. Subscribe to Locked On NHL today wherever you get your favorite podcasts. On tonight's episode, there are a couple of major topics that I think would be worth covering. The first is we're going to talk about the Eichel trade and why I feel like Winnipeg would be a prime candidate to welcome Captain Jack Eichel to the Jets. We'll also dive into some Euro 2020 coverage and then move on to some thoughts from Montreal versus Vegas, which is currently ongoing right now. First though, let's kick off with the Jack Eichel trade rumors because they are currently in full swing and I think a lot of folks are very much interested and hyped for this one. A couple of leading team names do seem to be Anaheim and Columbus as potential destinations. I've heard the the LA Kings bandied about. Pretty much everyone, though, I would have to think is considering at least some kind of an offer. It's really just due diligence, even if the offer is basically not even worth replying to. For Eichel, though, let's be honest, this guy is an absolute monster. He is signed to a fairly hefty contract, so you are looking for really a bonafide first-line center with franchise I guess, potential slash performance. I would say performance at this stage because he's in his prime and he is at the stage of his career where you're looking for results in hard numbers. Um, It is going to be a bit of an adjustment for him. He is probably going to get some kind of a surgery on his, I believe, his lower body or something. Either that or it was like his shoulder or something. I forget where the injury was, but it is something that they were talking about being at least a fairly significant surgery. It does sound like it's one that's commonly done for a lot of athletes outside of hockey. But, you know, the recovery process, probably a decent length of time, so you would hope that he recovers in the offseason after you make the acquisition. For Eichel, though, there have been a couple of interesting trade packages. Um, There's an article recently from Chad De Dominicus on the trade offers that would potentially be what the Ducks are are walking into uh, Buffalo's front office. So the, the third overall pick is obviously one of the big ones. There are a couple of other prospect names that I'll keep off for now, but the long and short of it is that the package itself to me doesn't look like the kind of trade deal that the Jets can't beat. I think Winnipeg can honestly do better, and certainly in terms of the quality of assets that the Jets can sort of dangle in front of um, Buffalo, there's just not much comparison between what Anaheim has and what the Jets can offer. So if the Jets were to make an acquisition like this, I could see a couple of different plays. If you want to move Shifley and kind of change the guard here a little bit, Shifley and like a pick or something might be a a fair value deal because you're getting a very good value high offensive center in Shifley signed for, you know, some term left on his deal at an extremely reasonable cap hit and then you're bringing in a major contract from Jack Eichel but in return Buffalo does get a very good center in Shifley and a prospect pick. Maybe there's a little bit more added to that but I don't think much in my eyes. I think 
Shifley with a pick and a prospect, like maybe like a B level prospect or something would be a, a good offer. So I, I think that's one thing that they could look at, but Shifley doesn't really fit Buffalo's timeline. And I'm not sure that they're looking to bring in another center in terms of a guy who's nearly 28, kind of at the stage of his career where they're looking for the, the prime years to start ending. So I think Buffalo would be looking for like a really high end young prospect. The thing with that is, is Maybe Buffalo overvalues those draft picks a bit. They've talked about having this vision of being really knowledgeable about this draft class, which is a really strange way of saying they very much intend to be invested in this draft. They think it gives them some sort of competitive advantage, which is funny because I've heard mixed things about this class, especially the deeper you go. So it's not like that knowledge may necessarily pay off. It might help you find some value gems the deeper you go, but it's not the kind of thing where you're expecting the third overall pick or something to be some crazy off-the-board choice or whatever. So I, I don't really understand what Buffalo was saying there. It's kind of a strange expression, and I'm not really sure what they're trying to argue, but either way, Buffalo seems to be really interested in this class, which partly to me sounds like it's because they expect to trade Eichel, so they're trying to sell the fans on this whole future of the draft and all that stuff. Really, it kind of seems like they're covering their butts and hoping that maybe this trade doesn't look horrendous. The Jets could part with this year's first, maybe another first in 2022, and look at a, a prospect or two, maybe like a Sandberg or something. A, a really competitive package, maybe Andrew Kopp involved as well, an NHLer, maybe Mason Appleton. There's a lot of options for the Jets here, and I feel like the futures and stuff that you would exchange for Eichel would be more than worth it. This guy is one of the best centers in the league, and I feel like he could be one of the biggest pieces the Jets are currently missing. As good as Shifley is, I just don't think that he's really the bonafide franchise center the Jets have been looking for. For a while, he was playing at that level, but now it's it's really debatable, and I think his game and his body language and commitment to the team, there's a lot of parts of him that definitely seem to enjoy playing for the Jets, but then there are these shifts where you're kind of like, he seems kind of pissed off and not really happy. And his commitment to the details and defensive side of things definitely doesn't exist, so I'm kind of wondering what his overall level of game commitment is going to be. Regardless of what the Jets decide with Shifley in particular, I feel like the room does need a shakeup. This team for too long has kind of accepted mediocrity as being an okay thing. In my mind, the Jets need to be demanding more and looking hungrier than ever. This team I know definitely wants to win, but when it comes to the excuses and the sort of blasé statements when they lose and saying that fans should be pleased the Jets made the second round of the playoffs, or at least not upset, that to me just seems like they're setting a limit on themselves, and I don't find that acceptable. The team also needs to stop blaming the league for the Shifley suspension and stuff. Take ownership of your mistakes. Unfortunately, the Jets put themselves in this position, whether they want to admit it or not. You can hate the Department of Player Safety's inconsistencies, but that doesn't change that Shifley ultimately threw that hit and cost the team the series. This team needs to have the right kind of anger and purpose because right now it just feels like they're sort of floating along and happy with where things are. A few years ago that really wasn't the case, but over the past couple of seasons I felt like the team has atrophied and I really feel like bringing in somebody like Eichel, a fresh voice to this team, would be the massive shakeup the team needs. I'd be curious to know what you would give up for Eichel, so let me know at HLLivingLoco and at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets. Maybe I'll talk about your trade proposal on our next episode. For now, though, we are going to transition to our Euro 2020 coverage, which has been a fun time. I'm sure a lot of you folks are following it, and maybe you're thinking it's finally coming home for England fans. Some interesting results today may pump the brakes a little bit on that hype train, but we will talk about that in just a moment. Before then, though, I thought you should hear about why RockAuto.com is the only place you need to be buying your auto parts. 
When it comes to auto parts stocking, a lot of your local shops may not have what you're looking for. There are nearly an endless amount of makes and models out there, and it's hard for stores to keep up. What's the point of enduring a line of interrogation at a local auto parts store just to find out they don't have what you need in stock? Stop wasting time and money and go to rockauto.com instead. rockauto.com is a family-run business with over 20 years of experience in the automotive industry. Their easy-to-use, intuitive website allows you to sort by make, year, and model of your vehicle, and then set a price range filter so you always get the parts that you need at the prices you want. Whether you need a new engine control module or a floor mat replacement, rockauto.com is sure to have what you need in stock. And best of all, you can save anywhere from 20, 30, even 50% off of retail brick-and-mortar in-store pricing and dealership pricing. So why shop anywhere else? rockauto.com charges zero membership fees, and all customers pay the same prices no matter what. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Right locked on in the how did you hear about us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com today. Welcome back to this episode of the Locked On Winnipeg Jets podcast. We are recapping now some thoughts from the Euro 2020 tournament, which has been an absolute thrill ride. Today saw two more teams advance to the next round. A couple of matches are still in the balance for tomorrow, and some of the big ones include Germany versus Hungary, Spain and Slovakia, and Portugal-France. So quite a bit of action upcoming, something to keep an eye on, and I'm sure a lot of folks will be tuned in very closely. Today only had two real games, but they were both very interesting. Croatia-Scotland was one of the more intriguing ones because Croatia basically dominated, but Scotland made it very difficult to find those opening goals. After a dominant opening shift, Croatia ended up striking first, but then uh, around close to the halfway point of the game, Scotland ended up drawing level and making it a more enticing offering for neutrals who were looking for a game to watch. But then towards the second half, you know, Croatia's just a lot better and much deeper than Scotland is, and eventually started to take over, and then the game-winning goal was an absolutely marvelous outside-the-foot shot from the top of the box, thanks to Luka Modric, who was channeling some of his vintage form with a beautiful blast, one of those goals that you just have to see, and you could kind of sense it was coming because all of the pressure and build-up was starting to really put a lot of pressure on Scotland's defense. Croatia was scrambling all over their box. Scotland really wasn't organized enough to deal with it, and then eventually they just sort of caved and collapsed, and over time, Croatia basically just sort of finished off the game, and they will be advancing on. The second big match of the day was, of course, England versus the Czech Republic. This is the one that I think most people were probably waiting for. This was a game in which I don't think either team was really looking to push their luck. Both teams felt comfortable that they were advancing through. The Czech Republic has been a very good performer throughout this tournament. Patrick Sheik in particular has been an absolute menace. The uh, the English, I think, for a lot of folks are disappointing, and I have to say that, in my mind, Gareth Southgate is maybe a little bit too pragmatic in some ways. England is a very talented team, there's no doubt about that. When you look at their defense and their midfield and their offense, this is a really well-rounded team with a lot of great young talent and some excellent veteran support. But I think the biggest issue is that Southgate doesn't really want to commit too much to attacking football. He's okay, you know, pushing the guys up a little bit, but for the most part, he's looking for a very defensively-minded approach. A lot of folks are asking what's wrong with Harry Kane, and I think The Athletic had some very good insights as to why he hasn't really been as productive. Alan Shearer co-wrote a column and was talking about Kane not really getting all that many touches, which for Kane is kind of an issue because Kane is one of those guys who's very versatile up top. He's uh, fine dropping deeper as like a center forward or even as like an attacking midfielder. But to really do what he does best as like a lead striker, he has to be seeing service. And thus far, you know, England's approach has been very much dominant in possession, but passing it towards the defenders, towards the midfielders, and not really seeing as much service out wide or up top. 
Southgate seems very hesitant to let the guys kind of cut loose and roam free up top, so I think that that sort of hesitancy has led to a fairly lackluster offensive showing. England ended up winning today on a Raheem Sterling header. He also hit the post on a really brilliant effort on a chip, but even then it was just not that much going on for the English. And I kind of wonder how long this approach can last against better teams. I know that Southgate is trying to be cautious and avoid injuries and just get England through to the next round where the games actually really start to matter, but I look at England and I sort of wonder what exactly their ceiling is, right? Because the roster definitely suggests a contender, they've got a great deep team, and yet the way that it's run doesn't really seem conducive to being a dominant tournament favorite. When you look at France and the way that they try to control the game, obviously they hit off the counter and they have like a really organized defense, but that approach works for them because they also have guys like Kylian Mbappe and Karim Benzema up top servicing those um, those strikers and themselves. So it's not like they're actually short of talent, skill, and speed up top, especially on the counter. I don't think England is either, but I haven't really been impressed with the general stiltedness of the performances. I, I look at these teams and I feel like some of the games that they've had against England and, and certainly England's own performance, it's just not that impressive. It looks very boring. It's kind of hard to watch. And while it does technically get the job done, I just wonder what exactly England's going to do throughout this tournament. I feel like they're good enough to make it through a couple of rounds. You know, certainly through the round of 16, I think they can advance, but beyond that, I just don't know. This this is a nation that's definitely hungry for a title, but Southgate just doesn't really seem ready to commit too much up top yet. And of course, there's a lot of baying for Jaden Sancho to start. I think Sancho would be an improvement in terms of creation, but... It's more like there needs to be a philosophical change in how England is approaching the pitch that would be the biggest difference. If England stops being super conservative and starts to advance and progress the ball a little bit more aggressively, maybe look at some more overloads, and commit more upfield pressure, I would imagine this team would look a lot more like what people expected it to. But, you know, for those who are definitely longtime England fans and grew up with this team, they already know what the score is. I think the younger fans are probably the ones hoping for a little bit more from the, uh, the British squad, but let's be honest. They've been this way for many seasons. It's not likely to change. Southgate has his approach. I, I don't know if it's really going to lead to much success, but you never know. This is one of those short tournament formats where you just have to be on at the exact right moments. And maybe England's defense can do enough to really shut down some of the teams like France and, and Germany and Portugal and do enough to get through, but it just does not feel all that likely. We'll know soon enough because I do believe England will be playing Germany next, which should be a very interesting test of their abilities. I'd be curious to know what you think of England's performance, whether it kind of reminds you of the Winnipeg Jets and how conservative they can be, especially when committing defenders or not committing them, as it were, for both teams, not letting them roam as much and participate offensively. Be sure to let me know at HLLivingLoco and at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets. Maybe sauce me your Euro 2020 predictions for the last couple of rounds here. For the remainder of tonight's show, though, we are going to talk about Vegas versus Montreal, which has been a fascinating game number five. Before then, though, I wanted to tell you about why BetOnline.ag should be the only place you do your online betting. When it comes to the wild, wild west of online betting, you need to know that there's a safe, reliable name that you can trust every single time. That's why you should only go to BetOnline.ag. They're the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports action. Baseball and hockey season are both in full swing, and you can track all the action at BetOnline. Get all the latest news, odds, and info for all your sporting needs, including the MLB, NBA, NHL, UFC, MMA, international football, and every sport in between. No matter what you're into, BetOnline has your back. Before the next pitch or face-off, head on over to BetOnline on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the great sporting news, sign up for bonuses, and enter all the contests your heart desires. Stop sitting on the sidelines and join all of your favorite playoff teams as they begin their quests for glory. Win while they win. 
Register for a free account at betonline.ag, and when you do, be sure to use promo code LOCKEDON to receive a 50% welcome bonus on your very first deposit. Again, that is promo code LOCKEDON to receive a 50% welcome bonus on your very first deposit at betonline.ag. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Welcome back to this edition of the Locked On Winnipeg Jets podcast. We are closing out with some early thoughts between Vegas and Montreal in game number five. And folks, Montreal is currently up 3-0 heading into the third period. Surprisingly, it's not been a particularly high event game for either party, although I would say Montreal definitely has the higher run of the chances. They've been the better team. Their scoreline reflects pretty fairly what I was seeing on the ice. And they definitely brought their skating boots while it just sort of seems like Vegas is stuck in the mud. I feel like the fatigue and and certainly the physical strain of of playing Montreal and uh, Colorado and Minnesota in successive series has sort of worn the Knights down. Vegas is facing a Montreal team that had additional rest and was frankly playing against a weak Jets team, so they kind of bullied them around, uh, made the series very easy for the Habs, they got through without much trouble, and they had a chance to heal up and rest up against a Vegas team that is at this point pretty battle-tested, right? So you would think Vegas at home maybe had a chance to put the, the stamp on this series and start to push it towards the end, but instead Montreal has come out and really surprised everyone. It kind of seems like the forecheck is sort of killing Vegas, especially down low near the net. Guys like Eric Stahl and Corey Perry, Yoel Armia, mixed in with other players like Cole Caulfield and Arturi Lekkinen, all of that skill and occasionally size for some of the larger guys is just really mixing Vegas up. Defensively, they're struggling to adapt to the skill and size combos, and the constant scrappy pressure around the net has seemingly rattled Vegas, especially in, in their clearance attempts and whatnot. I've felt like Vegas has made a lot of mental errors, they've lost coverages, they've turned the puck over recklessly. It's just not the same team that people are accustomed to, and it sort of looks like what happened to Colorado when Vegas finally figured them out. It seems like the Knights kind of gave everything they had against their previous opponents, and against the Habs, they don't really have as much in the tank. It's still anyone's series at this point, because even if Montreal takes the 3-2 series lead, it's not like Vegas can't come back. Vegas has shown extreme resilience in the face of adversity against other opponents, and it's not like Montreal is some infallible beast either. That said, heading into the home stretch, you know, where Montreal is going to have a chance to close out the series at home in game number six, this would be a big result and a big deal for Montreal if they hold on to the lead. But we have seen them nearly blow a 3-0 lead before, so I wouldn't say it's, it's certainly secure yet. They still have a lot of work to do, but I am impressed with their effort. Montreal has outshot them like 17 to 11 through two periods. Defensively, Montreal is recovering pucks at a pretty great rate, forcing turnovers, basically just buzzing around Vegas and throwing them off their game. I thought that the forecheck has been effective. The rush creation for Montreal has looked crisp. I've just been very impressed with the Habs. I feel like this is one of their stronger games of the postseason, especially because of who they're playing against. You know, if this was against the Jets, I really wouldn't think too much of it, but against the Knights, it's a lot more impressive. Not to say that beating the Jets is exactly chump change, it's not, it's just Vegas is Vegas and the Jets are who they are this year, so a very different level of competition, the Knights are the stronger team, and to dominate them and shut them down, not an easy feat at all. All this and the Habs still don't have Dominic Ducharme behind the bench, so a really nice spirited performance so far, especially on the road, we'll see if Montreal can hold the lead. Maybe this is their chance to attend a Stanley Cup final in the most unlikeliest of seasons and in the most unlikeliest of formats possible, so we'll see. I'm kind of hoping that Montreal advances. We all hate the Knights for obvious reasons. It'd be fun if somebody finally knocked them off their throne again. For tonight's episode, that will do it, though. Before you log off, don't forget to check out one of our other great podcasts. Get all the sports news you need in under 20 minutes with the Locked On Today podcast. 
Host Peter Bukowski updates you on the latest news in every major sport with the help of our local experts. Follow the Locked On Today podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your favorite shows. And as always, thanks for listening. Have a great night and go Jets go.